this. Yes. Hey, hey, hey. Hope you had a good chat. I encourage you to carry on and um, enjoy a hot beverage and conversation afterwards. But let us um, give Jesse a nice uh, round of applause of encouragement as he comes to encourage us and share on hope again this morning. Powerful microphone. Is this one, is this working, Daniel? We have faith in it. Luke does. Love it. One of the things I was really encouraged by last week was some of the testimonies that came through. Um, and that there was people that were coming, that came with no hope and left with hope. So my prayer is that can continue this morning. That mo- more hope is shared this morning. More hope is transferred. More hope is received. So you just pray with me as we begin to get into the word. Father, we, we quiet our spirits. Lord, we thank you that sometimes microphones work and sometimes they don't, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you are good all the time, regardless of what is going on in our lives and regardless of how we feel about it. This morning, Jesus, I pray that you would quiet our spirits so that we could hear your still small voice. Lord, we want to be people that worship you, that adore you, that look to you. But Father, would you have your way with us this morning? Lord, I pray that all of our own agenda, Father, would go by the wayside and we could actually hear from you. Lord, we're asking you to intervene with us this morning. Lord, intervene in big situations and small situations. Jesus, we want you to be in this place so that your kingdom can come. Your will be done in our lives, in our families' lives, Jesus. Lord, we're not here to speak empty words or to sing empty songs, but we're here to praise the King of Kings who is alive. Father, we posture ourselves before you to listen to your word, Jesus. Lord, as we've got a lot of word this morning, Jesus, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts. We give it over to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I just want to do a very quick recap of, of last Sunday. A very, very quick recap. Uh, the title is Anchored by Hope. And I'm just going to read out the, the core scripture that's going to kind of hold us for this, this series as we, as we move forward. It's Hebrews 6, 18, starting about halfway through verse 18. It says, It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. We talked about the fact, two, two very basic principles. The first was this, that there is hope available for you. His mercies are new every morning. There is daily new hope for you. And the second major thing we looked at is that we actually have a responsibility with this hope is to hold fast to this hope. We need to hold fast to it. It is our responsibility to to latch on to that. And the metaphor that I shared that I had that hopefully is an encouragement for some is that if hope is an anchor for our soul, we look at what what role does each person have in that. that as As an anchor sinks to the seabed and locks into the foundation, that's what an anchor does. We see hope is the actual anchor itself, and God is the seabed. God is the foundation, and we are the vessel. And we need hope to connect us to that which is greater than us to keep us from drifting. And without hope, we do not have the connection point to God to stop us from drifting when strong currents and strong wind move us about. This morning, as we look further at the substance of our hope, I want to begin with a question. Have you had hope in something that did not come to fruition? Have you had hope where it just didn't happen? 
a promotion that you're just waiting for and waiting for and waiting for, a business that you are just ready to to just kind of come to life, a family member to come back to Jesus, a promise broken by another person that was never mended, an unfulfilled dream, a relationship that you want to see come right. As I, I would consider myself someone that likes to make things happen. And I think with this, it can be really easy for me and maybe you to look at hope as something that we need to find within ourselves. As hope being something that, that it's just a quality that we need to muster up. That we need to kind of gather up enough energy. And it's the, the ability to have hope is in us, the one that has hope. And I want to suggest this morning, the major thought, that hope has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you this morning. And so for those of you that might not have hope, that should be really encouraging. Because it doesn't rest in how cantankerous you are. It doesn't rest in how sarcastic you might be. It doesn't rest in how apathetic you could be. It doesn't rest in how positive you might be. It doesn't rest in how joyful you might be. That your hope has nothing to do with you. Hope has everything to do with the one you are hoping in. Angie, Angie recently asked me to do the dishes. We're getting a lot of stories around chores. This year, I believe, is a year of character for me. And Angie, um, I, I've, I've read a book that inspired me to have more character this year. It's just like that, that's my focus. And so I guess chores just comes into that area of character. So last week, we heard about my adventures cleaning toilets and uh, losing things in the middle of that. And, this, and so today, though, um, she, she asked me to clean the dishes, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't yesterday, it was the day before yesterday. And I think her hope level that I was going to finish the task of dishes was probably around 50%. If I was to just give her hope level a measure, I'm going to give her hope level a measure of 50%. And so I had a hope level of about 100% that I was going to do it, and I had the best intentions, and I really wanted to do it. It ended up probably being about dinner time, and I still hadn't done the dishes from the morning. And so we had now we had like breakfast and lunch. And now I needed to wash dishes so that we had dishes for dinner. So like, so I began the journey of washing dishes. And as soon as I had washed enough dishes for dinner, that journey kind of stopped. And so I then proceeded, I, and I helped serve dinner. We just had soup. And so uh, some chicken noodle soup, very tasty, homemade, really good. Cooked that up. But unfortunately, the dishes remained undone. And then our dinner dishes kind of added into that mix, right? So even though I'd washed them, it didn't really go forward because we made a more mess. And Angie, and Angie's, I think her hope was probably about 25% after dinner. And she walked by, and it was kind of getting late. And she, she'd mentioned to me, she said, Jesse, are, uh, are you by any chance possibly going to do the dishes? And I, and I said, absolutely. By the end of the night... The dishes will be done. I just, I promise. And she could tell that I was like probably not going to be there. So I think after I promised her, I think it probably went down a little bit more after that. Her hope. Unfortunately, when I woke up in the morning and I came out and I saw the dishes were done to a standard, I just thought, I, I don't think I sleepwalked and uh, did them at night. You know, Angie had taken care of them for me. And I had a chat with her and I apologized. And I'm going to continue growing in character, I promise. She left. She didn't want to hear the story. She said, I've experienced this story. I want no part of it. 
But the hope that she had for the dishes getting done were reliant on me and not her. She was the one that ended up doing the rest of them. If she would have mustered up more hope for me to do the dishes, it probably wasn't going to increase the likelihood of me doing said dishes. She could have, she could have really been like, I'm, God, I'm going to trust you that my husband's going to come through for me. He's talked about building character. But that probably wouldn't have changed the likelihood of me coming through on that. And we need to hear this, this, this morning that hope is based on not the feeling itself, but the person you are relying on to fulfill this hope. So hope is not a feeling that you have. It's not even your ability to have more hope than your neighbor, but rather hope is totally found in the object of your hope. This should be an exciting thing for you this morning because this world is filled with Jesse's who do not complete their jobs. This world is filled with disappointment after disappointment. There's no person that you can rely on. So this morning, if you do not have hope, you can start to see that glimmer of hope come in when it has nothing to do with you and your circumstances. If our hope is based on our own strength to achieve something, it is based on your circumstances. It's based on the visibility conditions, how well you can see what's going to happen. If it's based on clear thinking, what happens when your thinking becomes not so clear? if it's based on your emotions. We will have our hope in something that will not be able to deliver, that will leave you with unmet expectations. We can end up feeling that hope is not worth it, that hope is not worth it, that it will fail us and that it can leave us. And and the, the, the thing I would like to suggest to you today is that if you have lost hope, the saddest thing that I think it can do is that it, actually leaves you not trusting the actual source of who hope is. And I want to share who that hope is, and I'm sure you know. But we're going to look at his character this morning. Our hope is based on who God is. 1 Timothy 1.1 says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. I think often when I think of hope, I really do think of just like, I'm really wishing that a certain set of circumstances would come to pass, and I don't actually think that my hope is centered in who Jesus is. But as Paul begins his letter, as he begins his encouragement, you'll see this language again and again. He's reminding the people as he begins that their hope is not in the strength of Paul's preaching, in the strength of his teaching, in the strength of who they are, and he goes on to admonish, to encourage, to support, to challenge. But that hope doesn't change based on any of those circumstances because our hope is Jesus Christ. It's very important to shift because when you can go into an absolutely dead place and you can now have hope, you can go to a place where there's no hope and you get to have hope because it's who Jesus is. It doesn't matter how many failures you've seen. It doesn't matter how many times you've come across something. You can have hope because of who Jesus is. We need to let that sink into our spirits this morning that your hope is not determined on how you feel but on who Jesus is. The source of our hope is not wishful thinking. It is not chance, and it's not even positivity, seeing the glass is half full. Our hope is based on certainty, and that certainty is found in the character of who God is. This morning, I just want to look at four attributes of who God is, and, and God is limitless. So by no means is this, is this a, a complete look at who our amazing creator is. Four attributes of who God is. 
And our hope is found in his attributes and not in our ability to have hope or our past experiences. You need to hear that this morning. Your experiences do not trump the character of who Jesus is. I don't care if you've, if you've seen something a million times and you think you know exactly how it's going to go. I'm telling you, that's not the case because of who Jesus is. There is still hope. So for a kid that is as far away from God as you could possibly imagine, you think it's done. It's not done because of who Jesus is. It's not done. The workplace that you feel is never going to change. Well, God has put you there to help be an agent of hope. But because of who Jesus is, not even because of who you are, and you're all amazing, this church will thrive not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Your families do not rely on your ability, but they rely on who Jesus is. The addictions that we need to break through are not us mustering up enough strength, but it is in relying on him and who he is, his character. Job 27, 8 through 9 says this, or just, just the first part of this I want to read. For what is the hope of the godless? What is the hope of the godless? This hit me in the stomach so hard because too many times I see Christians with the same amount of hope as the godless of those that don't have a savior. What is going on there? That tells me Christians that are not connected to who my God is because he is hope. For what is the hope of the godless? When God cuts him off, when God takes away his life, will God hear his cry when distress comes upon him? Those without God will struggle to have hope because their hope will be in themselves or others who cannot possibly deliver, who only do half the dishes, even with the best of intentions. So the first attribute this morning that I want to look at to see what substance our hope is made of. We're looking at the substance of, the, of what we're anchored to this morning. If hope is an anchor, what, is, what are we actually anchored to? The substance of our, host, the fir- the, of our hope, the first thing comes in, the first part of our, our key verse. It is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Before we get to the rest of the attributes this morning, it is so important that we get this into our spirits. That the word of the Lord is truth. I think truth is relative today. Do you know truth is not relative? That truth is Jesus? The word of the Lord is truth. You need to know that this is the case. That he cannot lie. that That it can be relied upon regardless of anything else. It was funny, Angie and I, were, um, we watched home videos on, uh, I think, yesterday morning. And so we watched, because since, uh, poor, I mean, I know Alexa got, like, the worst end of it. Like, with Archer, every appointment that we went to, like, every single one, like, it, it didn't even matter if it was in an ultrasound. I went along and I was filming with my camera, even if it was just, like, the heartbeat uh, check. Like, I just, I had my camera up the entire time. And, like, so with Archer, we have, like, a Chronicles. We could make a reality TV show out of his life. We have so much footage of, like, the different things there. And then as it came to Bennett, we, we really only filmed probably, like, the key things of, like, when was the gender reveal and things like that. And then for Alexa, just nothing. Like, she just didn't have anything. Um, but we love her more, so we're making up for it now. But we didn't have anything, so we were just watching all these home videos, and the boys got so bored of it, they didn't care. And, but me and Angie, we had a great time, time watching it. And it was so funny because as we were watching one of the clips, Angie was like, man, I wish 
that I knew exactly how old one of the kids was at this stage cause so that we could compare them to another one and see, like, did they look like them? And I, I thought to myself, I was like, you know, because Angie always makes fun of me in videos that I'm very, like, conscientious to explain everything that's happening on. Like, it's just something that I always do. It's like, I want to explain, even if it seems obvious at the time, but it's those little details that you kind of forget, you know? And so I'm like, oh, this is Archer, and he's seven months old. He's seven months and two days old, and uh, I just, he just had hit this milestone or whatever the case may be. And I kind of smiled to myself after Angie said this because I was trusting that, like, I was going to come through for her. And like, sure enough, literally after she said it, five seconds, like here comes Jesse and this is Archer and his, you know, this is his age and this is how old he is. And this is like the milestones that he just passed. But it made me think that character is everything. Relying on who God is, is everything. Knowing who they are, knowing that it's going to come through. I think too many of us hear wonderful and we sing wonderful things in worship but we actually don't have in our spirits that he actually is going to work together all things for good. We need to have a sureness in your spirit like I did that I just, I just knew that I was about to share the details that Angie was wanting because of my conscientiousness. I just, I knew it was coming. We as believers in who Jesus is need to have this quiet confidence that what God says is not a lie. And you start to get super excited if you start to even connect to one or two of the promises that he has for us in his word. That's, that's the thing in my spirit this morning. If we don't get anywhere else, that's okay. Do you know it is impossible for God to lie? You can have so much hope. Your hope is not just based on well wishes. Your, your hope is based on the character of God. And the first attribute that we're looking at this morning is that it is impossible for him to lie. So when he says he's going to work together all things for the good for those that love him, there is a quiet confidence. There is this this thing that should start stirring in you that even though Jesse hasn't done the dishes, that he is going to come through, that God is going to come through. And this first truth that you need to have in your spirits, it is impossible for him to lie. The words that he's spoken over your life, you need to rekindle that hope because it's not based on your ability to make them come true. It's on God's. Your dreams, if they are God dreams, it is not on you to make it happen. It is on God to make it happen. There is a level of faith that I would love to rise in this building this morning as we recognize that our hope is not mustered up in and of yourself. It's not even based on how awesome you are. It's not based on how long you pray, on how much you read the word. Our hope is based on who Jesus is. You start to walk with a new confidence when you recognize it has nothing to do with you and that it has everything to do with a God that is almighty, that is all-powerful. Character is everything. And the first attribute of God that can be relied upon is that he cannot lie. This makes his promises so powerful. Can I just read out Psalm 121, verse 8? But can we just look at it not with doubting eyes? Not with, maybe that's for someone else, but that this is a promise that God has for you. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Do you know, if you struggle struggle with reading the word, can I suggest that you just need a hope lens transformation? Because his word is filled with promises for you and for your family's life. And if you're not reading them with a lens of hope, you're not going to get the benefit of what they're going to do. When I read this, 
I realize I need to stop worrying about sending Archer off to school. I need to stop worrying about certain things that I can't control. And I know I need to start focusing on who God is because in his word, he has said, he is going to keep every time I come in, every time I go out, wherever I go, he will keep me. Do you know the same promises for you everywhere you go? You can't get away from him. He will keep you forevermore. This is, it might seem so simple and you might already be there, but can we, can we go to the next level of what that is and we actually just start to exude that when people come to us, that when, they, when, when we get around folks, they recognize like, why are you so hopeful? Your life is the worst. You know, my life is the worst right now. But can I tell you that God's keeping me wherever I go, wherever I step, wherever I, wherever I move, that God is completely keeping me, that my hope is not based on who I am. My not, hope is not based on how good I can preach. My hope is not based on how wonderfully. Have you ever answered the phone or called Peter Muller? If you need to pick me up, my gosh. The hope is not based in that positivity. The hope is based in who Jesus is, and it is impossible for him to lie. Second truth I want to go into, I'm going to use just a very quick story. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Exodus 3, verse 13 says this, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. This, this, this by hands down is probably, is probably my favorite passage in all of Scripture. And one of the reasons why it's my favorite passage is because God reveals so much about who he is in this passage. I don't know if there's another passage where we find as much of the essence of who God is. And why does it matter who God is? Because if our identity is completely found in him, it matters a whole lot. It completely changes the way that we view life. There is so much behind this statement, and I'm only going to just scratch the surface. I'm not claiming to get the depths of who God says he in this passage. But this morning, the attribute that I think is so important, the second attribute, so linked with where our hope lies, is in where God says this, that he is, I am. God says, I am. Why is that significant? Why is that the second attribute that matters? How does that help our hope become stronger? Because it represents that he is here now. When he says, I am, he's not, I was. It's not even that he will be. He is. My gosh, if you even knew a little bit of who my God was, you'd sit up even a little bit smarter. I'm telling you, he is. Do you know that he is right now with your life? Do you know that he is right now where you're sitting? He is. He is present. Not only is he present, I love where the scripture goes. I have seen your affliction. So you have a God that is present, that sees what you're going through, that sees where you are. And if it is impossible for God to lie and that God is here, he sees all you've gone through, he's with you, 
It is one thing to hope for something that has no substance. I remember mentioning this to Archer as I was just going through. And I said, Archer, do you know that God is just, he's always with you? And do you know that it's impossible for him to lie? And when he says he's always going to be with you, I said, what do you think about that? And I loved his response. It was like, he is. There is this response of saying, he is all of that. Church, can we be a people that recognize he hasn't left you? That when something doesn't go your way, it's okay? Because you have the God of the universe at your side currently with you. That right now, in your seat, in between us, in your hearts, the Holy Spirit is all around. I don't care where your situation is. He is. This is a powerful source of where we don't have hope. I really hope that like one day this happens. Can I tell you where my hope is? It is impossible for him to lie. And the second thing why I have hope is because he is. He is with me. He is present. We talked about last week some of the things that can steal our hope, and I love this. He says, I've seen your affliction. I've seen your pain. Do you know if it's impossible for for God to lie, he has seen every ounce of your pain. He has seen every ounce of your struggle. Folks, we cannot keep removing God from our lives. He is, and he doesn't lie. God is. He is the I am. You can have hope because you have a God that doesn't lie and one that is with you forever. The story continues as we look at the third aspect of who God is that helps us strengthen, deepen our understanding of hope. The more we understand who God is, the greater we realize our hope cannot be taken That's what I want us to understand this morning, that your hope cannot be taken. It cannot be diminished because our hope is inextricably connected with who God is. Passage continues in verse 17. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand, and I will strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. The next attribute that we need to have revelation of deep inside of us is this. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. This is the third attribute of who God is that becomes the source of our hope. I remember, my gosh, I got so angry with this. I, was, I think I was 13 years old, and it was my first trip going back to the States after having moved here, and my grandpa had gotten remarried to a really lovely woman. Love her. And so, and her name was Meg. And Meg was so lovely. Um, but I remember we went, we went um, fruit picking in Tucson. And so there's watermelons. There was like, there's all sorts of things that we went and got. And we had a huge bucket filled with all these things. And we'd been carrying around them all day. And I remember it was the next morning after. And I think Meg had wanted some, some watermelon. And so um, I, as, as I came over to help, she said, no, 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 no you're not strong enough to hold this watermelon. And can you imagine telling that to a 13-year-old boy? 
You know, like I just, I, my pride was broken, but I was angry. And I think I tried to just nudge closer in and just kind of grab it anyways and just pretend like, you know, like selective hearing was trying to be on. But she was pretty adamant. She was like blocked my way and was like, no, you're unable to do this. I'm just going to let you know, you can't handle this watermelon. You're, you're too weak. I'm going to be very honest with you, Jesse. I was so upset with her. I just, there was something in me. I wanted to pick up the watermelon and throw it through a window. The pride that I had to go through, it was tough. But I wonder if many of us are like that with God, that we actually don't trust that he's strong enough to do the things that we think he needs to do in our lives. I wonder if many of us are like Meg, who we step in front of God and say, actually, God, I don't trust you in the slightest to handle this. This watermelon is far too big for you to handle. And I'd rather kind of keep control of this situation in my hand rather than trust that you are mighty to save. The first statement of this passage is a promise. I promise, hear this, that I will bring you up out of the affliction. Remember, if we've looked at God, it's impossible for us to lie. If if he sees everything that you've gone through, his promise is that he's going to bring you out of the pain that you are in. Do you know the kind of hope that that stirs in me for those that have gone through so much pain and abuse? Those that have, there's no one that leaves life unscarred. There is a promise from God, the God who doesn't lie, the God that is, premise, that, that is with us, that he's going to take us out of that pain. That stirs my heart because I know that I can't do anything to help somebody out of their pain, but God is promising that he will do that. That is so different. Can I just tell you, can I just break through some lies that God actually can take you out of your pain? I don't care how layered it is. I don't care your philosophies of how how many times, if you may think you're smarter than God, I promise you're not. And I promise you that he's going to take you out of it. We need to hear that this morning, church. We we go through truth so quickly. We're like, cool, yep. And then what do we do? We go and we carry our pain into lunch. Oh, they don't love me. They haven't cared about me. They haven't thought about this. Can you hear the words this morning that God's heart is to take you out of those things? And more so than you, take the focus off of you and start to get excited for those that you know that are stuck in some serious stuff. That's what stirs my heart. There's, the reason why I get out of bed in the morning is because God has this promise that he promises to bring out of affliction. This is not just like playtime and community time. This is mission time where he has us on a mission to go after real stuff, church. Real stuff. There are people that are broken, that are hurting. My gosh, we are the hope carriers of the answer there. Catch on to this. Catch on to this. This promise is now a declaration of hope for the future because it's contained within the character of who God is. The second thing we see here in this statement, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. I love the truth that God is speaking here. God doesn't just ignore real situations. He's not saying this is going to be easy. But he knows. I think there's something so reassuring in me when he has this sense that it's not going to be easy. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't know too many situations that are just like, if they hurt really bad, that are really easy to step out of. But your God sees 
This is not going to happen unless compelled by a mighty hand. He sees where you're at. He sees the reality of the situation. I think too many of us, and one of the reasons I hope that this brings freedom to so many for hope, I think that in my conversations with so many, I think our hope is linked to how well we can see hope or how well we can feel hope. Hope has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with who God is. That's so powerful this morning. Compelled means forced. Unless forced by a strength, nothing will happen. I think too many of us have hope that is missing the revelation of who God is in his strength. I think we see the strength of our situation, but we don't understand the strength of who God is. Last part of this this little point. I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. Not only is my God greater and my God is stronger and that my God is awesome in power, he actually will stretch out his hand on my behalf. I will promise I will bring you out of affliction. He is able to do what is needed. He is able to carry that watermelon this morning. He is mighty in power. I could, we need to spend more time here, but I don't have time there. Can we just get a sense that, that our God is mighty? When I stop and I think about those things, it brings me to my knees in repentance for how often I don't trust in his, in his strength. It brings me to my knees when I'm focused on such things that are such silly things that don't matter. He is mighty in strength. He is awesome in power. He is able to save. The last attribute of God that is the fourth strand of what makes up the substance of our hope is this. His love never ceases. I just want to read out Psalms 130 for you. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. In his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. I love this. This is such a, a phenomenal challenge, and I think maybe countercultural to our thinking that your hope is to not have more hope. Your hope is to wait. Your hope is to wait on the Lord because He is hope. You're not waiting for hope. You're not waiting for something that's not going to happen. You're waiting for a God that loves you steadfastly. He loves you, and it's not going to stop. He loves you with plentiful redemption, the verse says. My gosh, how many of you have screwed things up? I've screwed things up. Other people have screwed things up for me too. But if my God is a specialist in plentiful redemption, meaning he has plenty of it to come by, it doesn't matter how messy it is, he's going to redeem it. He's going to take the mess and he's going to put it into something that actually makes sense. He is going to work together the good for those that love him. My gosh, that changes things. When we, when we get a sense that he... Do you know how much I love my kids? I think I love them more every single day. Do you know, I, I don't care if they like mess, blow up my house. Do you know, I would still love them so much. Folks, you have to get a revelation of how much God loves you. This is who he is. 
You can blow up his house and he still loves you. You can't get away from his love. And your hope isn't built on how wonderful you are. It's built on who he is. You start to carry hope when you get a sense that he can't lie. And when he says, I am, he is with you, that he sees where you are. Your hope is in the fact that he is mighty to save. He is powerful. He can do it. He is able. And he loves you. He loves you so much more than I love my kids. I don't believe that. (laughs) But I know it's true. My gosh, can you... Can you rest in the love of the Father? Because your hope will return. Because your hope is not built on what happened to you. Your hope is not what you can see when you look around. Your hope is on who he is. May you hold fast to this hope that is before you this morning with ever more vigor, recognizing it is not in your strength of holding on, but rather it is the strength of what you are grabbing hold of. Anchored hope is one that understands we have hope because of who God is. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray that revelation of who you are would go beyond head knowledge this morning. Father, there is a deep need that we have to know you. Lord, our survival depends on it. Father, we're not, we're not even existing if we don't realize who you are, Jesus. Lord, we're not surviving. Our thought lives, our emotional lives, our family lives, our work lives, Father, we're not living unless we're living in who you are. Lord, this morning I just speak for your presence to fall on your people, Jesus. I speak for new hope to alight right now in the name of Jesus that is resting on that our hope is in you, Father. Oh, Israel, there is hope. Have hope in the Lord. Oh, Lane Park Church, there is hope in the Lord. Oh, each and every individual here, there is hope. The hope is not in you. The hope is in who Jesus is. Father, we forgive us for our unbelief. It steals our hope. Lord, I thank you that you love us no matter what happens, Jesus. Let that that sink into our hearts this morning. Lord, we bless your name this morning, Jesus. We bless your mighty name. All of God's people said, hopefully, amen.